over a decade of experience in video games, and all he has to show for it is this stupid podcast. It's Behind the Line Radio, with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Hello everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio, here to give everyone a bit of gaming industry insight. I'm your host, Kinetic, aka Nick. And with me is my co-host, Baron Fang, or Jeff. How are you doing today? How are you? I'm good. I'm sorry. We kind of stepped over each other there. So, first thing I wanted to talk about, because, you know, I've talked about it plenty on Point Streak, and I've talked about it even on Hero Talk, Tekken. Tekken 7 finally came out. Mm. <laughs> Yay! Ah, I finally get to play Tekken on my PS4. It's, uh... Release is certainly not without some trouble, though. Its uh, matchmaking servers seem to be having some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, is, is that been typical of uh, the last few related releases, or is is I mean, I'm every time I hear about a new fighting game, at least at the start, you hear about matchmaking problems, but sometimes it seems to correct itself. But well, I don't know. I, you know, most games have. Uh, some server problems at the beginning because, you know, a, a lot of games that have online components, they try to run load tests, they try to simulate a whole bunch of activity on the server, mm. and but that that's just a simulation. You don't know exactly how things are going to pan out when live users start getting involved because it doesn't matter how much time you put into testing something, that amount of time is immediately going to be dwarfed if if you have any success at all by the amount of time the public puts into it. Mm. In this case, like, compared to, say, other Tekken games, at least, uh, they've only had a few with online components. They, they started online with Tekken 6, and then there was Tekken Tag 2 and Tekken Revolution, and now Tekken 7. So they, they haven't had a whole ton. Uh, Tekken 6's... Uh, online experience got pretty shady there. I've actually never tried Tekken Tag online, but Tekken Revolution is the free-to-play one that's all online, and that one's actually been pretty smooth since, mm. from the beginning, at least as uh, as soon as when I got it. Uh, but I, I can I can feel I, I feel pretty confident right now that there's engineers at Namco working feverishly to try to get the problem solved. And and it's a little weird because it's matchmaking only, not the match itself. Like you get a thing mm. saying that, "Oh, here's we, we found a match for you. Do you want to to go up and you get an option to say yes or no because, you know, m- maybe you know the person and you don't want to deal with them or maybe their connection is crap or something." So they always give you the option when you're coming in. Mm. And then when you say yes or no, uh Right now, most of the time, it says the connection's been lost or, or something along those lines. But once you're, <laughs> pardon me, once you're in the match, you can like revenge or or just ask for a rematch, and you can keep going there just fine. So it's okay. specifically matchmaking, huh. which seems strange. Okay, I would I would have thought that would have been the tip of the iceberg, and lag and dropouts and stuff would have been more typical problems but uh, huh. yeah I, yeah it, it seems a bit counterintuitive you'd think that est- establishing the connection wouldn't be the hard part but uh i guess something's going on with that based on ve- the very little information that i have just from my observations i i would think that possibly just possibly the issue is they have a whole bunch of new users with no match history and it's yeah. having trouble like connecting mm. things, or there's something wrong where, say, if you have a whole they they maybe they stress tested having a whole bunch of matches going on and it was fine, but they didn't stress test establishing the connections, right? And there's something mm. wrong there. Huh. Maybe maybe establishing the connections has a really aggressive timeout of like two seconds, and it should be more like twenty. Mm. Um. I don't know if this is a silly question. I know I know it's coming up more and more. Is, is any cross-platform here, or are these totally separate? I think, if memory serves, I didn't specifically look into that, <clears throat> but um, if memory serves, they wanted to do cross-platform, 
but uh, trying to get uh, licensing agreements with Sony and Microsoft was going to be a bit prohibitive to make that yeah. work. Yeah. So. Yeah. It just seems it just seems crazy that in this day and age that's the problem, and yet somehow we've got Capcom and Akuma type stuff appearing <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a in a Bandai Tekken fighter like. Who, well, who would have guessed that that would have happened before the other? Well, the, the, actually, that's one of the crazy things, too, is Akuma plays like Akuma. I mean, this isn't a, a Street Fighter cross Tekken kind of thing where you're trying to smash all the mm. Tekken characters down into a Street Fighter format. Akuma right. really feels like Akuma. And his, his oh. controls are Tekken controls, but they're kind of reworked in a way to just really maintain the feel of him in Street Fighter. Yeah. I mean, he's even got an EX meter huh. and, a, and a super art. Uh, doesn't Akuma mean devil? Like, isn't there already a character called devil in this game? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, well, yeah, that's technical. part of the weird storyline where you got uh, uh, Heihachi's progeny seem to have some uh, of the devil in them. So, yeah, they, they, they transform into demons and stuff. That's one of the weird things. Like, Heihachi's, like, classically been presented as the villain, but when you look at the whole story of this game, he's more like, you know, probably a ruthless oligarch. Yeah. But a supreme badass, and he's fighting demons. Mm. How is he the bad guy? <laughs> Has he got his uh, wooden clogs in this game, or is uh, I, I'm so I'm so out of date with Tekken. I don't know if that's oh, yeah. a thing anymore. <laughs> um, I think he's barefoot for the most part in this one. Uh, okay. He doesn't have the the Geta shoes, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> Pardon me, everybody. I'm probably going to coughing a bit throughout this. Oh boy, still kind of recovering from sickness, which is why I sounded terrible last episode. I didn't even realize I sounded so bad till I listened back on it in editing. Anyhow, every time I play a new Tekken, it always feels a bit weird and different because they don't revamp the engine entirely. I mean, most of the most all of the rules stay the same, but little bits about spacing and timing and little transitional things change in such a way that, oh, all of these little tricks that I had, all these uh, uh, little mm. transitions and techniques that I had don't work anymore. Yeah. Oh my. Well, one of the I don't know if this is relevant to te to to Tekken as well, but one of the reasons that I walked away from Soul Calibur was that they seem to have this insistence on completely changing the move set every mm -hmm. time. Like, yeah, they don't. Can, can we not? Can we not just like leave some things <laughs> untouched? <laughs> yeah, the uh, Tekken does not uh, completely revamp the move set every time. No, in uh, fact, even Yoshimitsu. <laughs> Yoshimitsu has some of the same moves he had in Tekken One. I believe. Spin, spin, I actually spin, spin, haven't tried down. them. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't tried them in Tekken uh, Seven yet. But every yeah. other version of Tekken I've played them in, there, there's a few, certainly a few uh, uh, constants about how he does stuff. It, yeah, it's like the back uh, two, 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 and then he gets dizzy and falls <laughs> over. Yeah. Is <laughs> a uh, spinning back fist combo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Kings had the same chain throws since Tekken 2? Mm. Did he have him in Tekken 1? I don't think so. Um, King is my mate, but yeah, and they, they did some weird stuff with the story mode in Tekken 7 here, too. They'll, like, there's an arcade mode where you just, you know, do your standard beat, play through everybody and, and get to the uh, the boss, and then you get an end credits thing, but not really a, a, an ending. So yeah. the story mode is its own separate thing with a whole bunch of... Um, um, sort of situational cutscenes, and it oh, okay if anyone's following me on twitter i pointed out there it's like it's it's actually got this metal gear solid feel like you you it's a it's a movie where you're playing the fight scenes in oh <laughs> okay so a hybrid, a hybrid? <laughs> yeah actually uh, yeah. another one of the weird things is that uh, uh the way it was presented Almost in retrospect, makes that live-action Tekken movie more faithful. <laughs> uh. I mean, hell, even even the ending, going back to the Metal Gear Solid 
uh, uh, observation. The very ending even ha- there's like a whole bunch of like flash. It's reminiscent of the the fist fight between Snake and Oce- Ocelot at the end of uh, Metal Gear Solid Four, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> where it has this sort of no, uh... <clears throat> oh. oh maybe I should edit some of those coughs out. <clears throat> that one for sure. Well. <laughs> If if uh, if you hear that, then I chose to be lazy in editing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got those flashbacks to previous games, and it gets down to both of them are exhausted and just kind of wailing on each other and and mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's a little weird, uh, just how similar it is. But uh, I'm enjoying it so far, particularly when I can manage to get an online match. Um, yeah, and hopefully. Um, those server problems will get sorted out. I mean, hopefully, I, like I said, I'm sure there are engineers freaking out trying to get this thing sorted right now. Uh, mm. It might even be resolved by the time this episode goes up. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed there. Also, hopefully, I'll be able to figure out the, the little differences to the engine right now. Mm. And, uh, yeah, if anyone, I, I, I hopefully someone out there would like to play. I mean, I'm down to do direct... Direct matchups for anybody on uh on on PSN. You can find me there at Surprise Surprise. My name is Kinetic. <laughs> no kidding. Nope, no kidding. It's a, it's a name I've kept ever since City of Heroes. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Moving on. Uh a few sort of uh headlines that kind of go in a row here, I think. Uh, apparently, uh take two uh there's a headline about this on Game of Sutra talking about, they say um, in, in free-to-play you should focus on the game experience. This is a, 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 an abbreviation of it, but saying that you should focus on the game experience, not killer analytics. Mm. And those aren't mutually exclusive concepts, you know. Um, I should throw that out there. I understand what they're going on. Your, your a- analytics, like you know, how much are, are people sticking around your retention rate and, yeah. uh, um, ARP DAO and, and whatever else, uh, these should be things to validate and tweak your design. They should not be the goal of the design. Um, because that's what'll actually let you, if, if you are focusing on getting a good experience and then using the information you get from analytics, to validate it and tweak it and improve it, then great. And that's how you can create a quality product that'll actually attract more new customers that'll improve your bottom line. Right. Not not to preempt a question that might be better suited for our eventual analytics podcast, <laughs> which <laughs> you've been teasing for a while. Yeah, I but, just got to get a good guest on for that one. Yeah. Uh, but is there an amount of time that one can be satisfied one has enough analytics in order to make an informed decision like obviously if if a company's bleeding money or something there <laughs> there are there are, you know there's reasons to have a fire lit under you but i wonder like how how long do you have to examine things before you have enough to go on versus just you know jumping the gun well let's see i once uh i think i've mentioned this on on a on a btl radio before uh, worked on a game that was killed uh, after a few hours. Like, it didn't even <laughs> last a whole day. Yeah. But uh, that one, I'm pretty sure we were just trying to fill contractual obligations and say, the, the contract says we release it. <laughs> we release yeah. it. We're done. It's off. Back away. Um, but, that, that, I mean, that's also why you have soft launches, uh, to gather yeah. some analytics. Like, if, if you're worried about bleeding money... Um, then you're probably not in a great position to be able to make great choices in the first place uh, because yeah. <laughs> that that's when you are only going to be looking at analytics in the bottom line rather than, you know, as Take-Two put it, the uh, user experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, for the most part, it shouldn't take too long. Um, a weekend should give you some good information, especially if you have a user acquisition campaign dr- bringing people in and you can see, okay, this is – the kind of retention we're getting because when you're when you're running user acquisition you're also trying to figure out like okay how expensive is it going to be to get people into the game you know right. i mean you have to look at the whole pipeline from you know someone seeing an ad to them paying you know how many how many people they advertise to wind up paying 
for example. Um, so if, if people are interested in paying within, you know, a few days of when they see the ad, if, if you can, me if, if there's enough of that to measure, then that's pretty good. Uh, or that, that is a good, um, sort of barometer at yeah. that point, if you have enough information there, but also, you know, obviously you can't check your seven day retention rate if you've only been out for five days. So if day seven retention is something you're probably going to want to wait at least 10 days, maybe two weeks. Yeah. So it kind of, it kind of depends on the situation there, but at least as far as like gameplay interaction, yeah, probably a weekend. Actually, huh. uh, an another caveat there is um, I also worked on one game that was based on PvP, but for some reason in their design, you couldn't actually attack another player. Uh, like you, <laughs> And it's a free-to-play game. You could not attack another player, even if you spent a bunch of money, until about two weeks into your game experience. Okay, then. And our next point, uh, Jeff... There is a company, the Pokemon company had an announcement, and I, I, mm -hmm. I think you'll find this a real shocker, that their profits are way up in 2016. <laughs> no kidding. No, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> what, what, whatever could have caused that? Oh, I, I, I'm sure yeah. it was the Pokemon Sun and Moon release, right? Yeah. I got the title right, didn't I? I think that was it. I've honestly <laughs> I, never... Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Honestly, uh, uh, the, the, only, the only Pokemon game I've really ever played is the one that I'm sure is actually responsible for a significant increase in their revenue, and that's Pokemon Go. Uh, and that was mostly just to, to try it out and see how it was, was working. I don't play it. Uh, it's not even on my phone anymore, I don't think. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that is such a shocker. <laughs> And that's that. And that was the uh, the funny thing is the Pokemon Company, you know, being its own thing, and people not understanding that Nintendo isn't does doesn't get like equity in the Pokemon Company caused yeah, Nintendo's yeah. stock to to spike and then crash. <laughs> like somebody somebody made money off of that misunderstanding. Yeah, <laughs> but ah. Uh, uh. Fun stuff there, man. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where that leads, you know? Like, they can't be the only company out there looking at the possibilities and thinking, huh, if we could make a fraction of that, is it worthwhile investing in a, a similar game? Something's going to um, happen. You know something's... I would be stunned if nothing happened. And I think one of the reasons that there hasn't been a lot of fast follow in this type of thing is because Pokemon Go was built off of Ingress... So they already had yeah. their own map. They already had a whole lot of the structure built up. And yeah. s someone else isn't going to be able to replicate that quickly. On top of which, a whole bunch of people yeah. are probably seeing the kind of trouble that they had uh, uh, with everything kind of melting. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, some designers are realizing that, no, you actually – maybe they're – both realizing and overestimating their chances of success, which I suppose is probably part and parcel with a lot of fast follow projects, that they would really need to get all their uh, uh, ducks in a row in terms of uh, server stability and scalability to be able to maintain a user base yeah. that they expect. Like, oh, Pokemon gets this much and uh, like 65 million users. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so we should be able to get at least 40 million, right? Like, no, yeah. no, no, um, no, but it's that easy. Yeah. So the, 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 they might be coming and this is just a supposition on my part, but they might be coming to the, uh, the, the right conclusion for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, it, you have to have for, for, for a game to go viral like that. It can't just be some, you know, it was a combination of it being something new and it being a recognized yeah, property. Yeah, it's a destination intellectual property. You know, the the Pokemon is yeah. something that will drive attention. It's not like it's a it's some public yeah. license. Like, oh my goodness, uh, I'm trying to think of a decent public IP, public domain intellectual property, and I'm kind of coming up uh, blank. I don't know, maybe like. Uh, non-Disney Peter Pan or something like that. I think that's public domain. Yeah. yeah that's just that. Yeah, possibly. You know, that that's not going to have the same kind of pull 
I mean, you'll have some pull, but it's not going to be Pokemon kind of pull. But uh, you, uh, uh, another headline that came out that kind of accounts for some of the profit. Apparently, um, <coughs> you know, Pokemon Go has those sponsored locations. It's something like mm-hmm. fifty cents. Ah, fifty cents per user at a sponsored location that they get in revenue. Um, yeah. Really? Hold on. Let me let me bring up the article and and I'll see if I can get some specifics on this. Yeah. Was... I'm trying to compare that in my head to what the click rates must be on online ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is um the the wording for it is a bit is, is a bit funny though. That's that's why I wanted to try to look at this and it was a uh, uh, a headline specifically. Pokemon Go dev says sponsored locations can earn it nearly 50 cents per visitor. And another one of the great things about about this as a uh, a sort of a business model. And it kind of goes back to what Take 2 said too, which is why I said all these stories kind of lead into each other. Um, <clears throat> Niantic founder John Hankey, H-A-N-K-E, I'm not, sh- I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, it's a short name and, but it, it's just an odd sequence of letters. I don't know if you pronounce the E or not. Um, memorably argued last summer that sponsoring locations was a better business model for games than in-app transactions because it puts less pressure on the dev team to design a game that's profitable, which... Makes a lot of sense to me. <clears throat> it's uh. um, it's taking the focus away from it. It, it gives you a, a somewhat of a more reliable stream of revenue. I mean, provided you're 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 the destination IP that can draw in users and make sponsored locations worthwhile. Um, but then, mm. okay, we don't have to worry about running in-app purchases. We don't have to worry about putting uh, uh, friction points in the game or s- anything like that. And that, that th- those are terms that, that you can hear, are like friction points or even pain points. That, yeah, cynical stuff yeah, like that. But, I mean, th- there's a reason that people think that way or talk that way in the industry is because it is a business. Mm. And, as I always say, business got a business. Someone's got to pay. This isn't this isn't a a charity, and just because it's a free to play doesn't mean it just makes all of the money. I mean, seriously, I've worked on right. oh god, plenty of failed free to play games now. So uh, it's it's not uh, a, a guaranteed business success. So if you're not worried as much about making things a business success, then you can spend more time and creative energy focus on focusing on making it as good an experience for the user as possible. You could even, um, if from a business perspective, you could, you could have the people making the game versus the people that are marketing it and putting it out there, whatever you want to call it in this case, completely separate, you know, they wouldn't be tripping over one another or what, you know, as you say, one trying to influence the design of the, of the game in an artificial way to suit it being, you know, more profitable, that it can just be good and stand on its own from, you know, in the, in the gameplay or user experience yeah. portion. So, so, something like that. Yeah. Um, the, the marketing itself, I, I think was the term you used there. It doesn't, in my experience, doesn't really drive design very much, but the business concerns can, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, usually, in my experience at least, the marketing has been like, here's what yeah. we got, let's present it as well as we can. Not like marketing yeah. requests certain features because they are marketable. Yeah, <sighs> to be to be fair, it's really only the most cynical examples of games out there that I could ever that I could say that 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 suspicion ever entered my <laughs> my head. Um, uh, you know, a, a design choice or something added where you can almost you can almost hear the people around the boardroom table talking about why the, <laughs> this would yeah. work or that would work. But I, I guess you're right. Most of the time, those are things that happen independently. Yeah, at least independently the of the marketing people is is what I'm saying. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah it, when you when you can see concept early concepts of a game and the finished game looking completely <laughs> different to to one another, some. Then, then your suspicions get well. Deep. Sometimes, sometimes that's because the the early footage it has nothing to do with the game. It's more of a demo reel to to get the game greenlit. Uh, I worked on a game yeah. that uh, 
actually what it was on a destination IP. And the, like we were two thirds, three quarters of the way through it when we got to see the uh, behind the scenes demo reel. And it was all just a pre-rendered yeah. cut scene that kind of showed concepts that they wanted to be incorporated into the game. And, you know, the game yeah. wound up not looking anything like that, but a lot of the concepts that they demonstrated were in the game, like uh, uh, the way yeah. a grappling hook was used and being able to target things and so forth. Uh, um, the, the Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find out if someone could point to what was ground zero for when – because I can remember demo reel type footage and early footage differing from final footage and that being just a normal thing that people accepted. And then one day it became, you've been lying to us all along. <laughs> it didn't turn out how you said. Like, I wonder what was the what was the, the line or the trigger th- for that. That, ha- that I think uh, I th- the case now where it's everyone everyone's I th- cynical I about think it. I think some of it is because um... – There'd be an, certain videos that have, like, you know, this not representative of the final product tag on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. people may not have been paying enough attention to that. Or other people saying, you know, and this is a pretty cynical view, stuff like, oh, well, it's pretty close to what the final product should be, so we won't bother with the tag. And the, and then you yeah. get stuff like Alien <laughs> Colonial Marines and its vertical slice yeah. or whatever the hell. It's like, yeah. uh... Yeah. Or you can wind up with stuff like maybe... And let, let's give the Colonial Marines uh, people the maximum benefit of the doubt and say the vertical slice they presented was stuff that they had every intention of getting into the game, uh, but they could only make yeah. it work well enough for that demo video. And uh, yeah. then they had to pull everything back to what they eventually released. Yeah, uh, that can happen too. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, like like they say yeah. on um, like a boxing or an MMA card. You know, card subject to change. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, coming back to the all, all the the uh, free to play stuff. Apparently. Sony's entering free-to-play, too, here, because they've got uh, uh, Hot Shots Golf coming out, which struck me as a little interesting, just because, you know, you you got another big big name in the industry coming into free-to-play. It just seems like Sony getting... uh, I'm sorry. Sega getting into it feels like it's kind of on the back of uh, Nintendo having gotten into it. Like one influenced the other, even though some of uh, some of Nintendo's swings at the free-to-play games haven't been the uh, uh, the home runs that people would have expected. You know, Mitomo yeah. was Mitomo and Mario Run almost feel like they made a big splash just because it was Nintendo. I mean, y- you don't think. Mm-hmm. They hadn't been. Yeah. I would have noticed. You know, if it wasn't <laughs> Nintendo, if it wasn't Mario, would Mario Run have, have had the the uh, reaction that it got? I don't know. Well, uh, Mario Run happened on the back of years and years of them saying, no, yeah. never. What are you, crazy? And then, <laughs> you know, obviously, it, when it did finally happen, people were going to take yeah. notice. And, the, and I mean, <laughs> that's to some extent, I wonder if Nintendo does some of these things intentionally. Because I mean, mm. you, you spend years saying we're not doing mobile, we're not doing mobile, we're not doing mobile, and that builds up this kind of back pressure of people wanting to see it to the point where when they yeah. do, it almost doesn't matter what you release. There's going to be a lot of money there, um, yeah. maybe, may, maybe or maybe not enough to actually uh, make things profitable, but probably enough to really blunt any failures you might have while you're learning the ropes. You know, like, yeah, I mean, Mitomo was just weird and different and it kind of captured your attention for a couple of weeks, at, at least. I mean, if you were interested in trying it out, you know, using it to send little cards to your hubby or something like that. <laughs> probably one of the best uses for that thing. But um or or Mario runs like oh my god Mario on mobile finally not these knockoff things that no one can keep off of uh, the Google Play de- uh, 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 store yeah 
I almost say Google Play Developers Console, but that is not the consumer's side of it. That, that's the developer side of it. <laughs> um, and then and then they have something like Fire Emblem Fates. Is it is that the one or Heroes? The mobile one, the Fire uh, Emblem on I mobile. I can't remember which is but, which. Yeah, whatever the mobile one is. <laughs> uh, I've only played one Fire Emblem game for any significant amount of time. I will admit, um, and. I really never wanted anybody to die, so I just kept stopping, and then I got to a fight where the computer was being really, really a cheating bastard, and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and I never got past that one, and then my <laughs> Game Boy died, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... that. Part of me suspects that Nintendo has a marketing strategy with some of this, and I think that might mm-hmm. even be what went into the NES Classic that release where it it was never meant to be like a console level competitor. And instead what they saw was, Oh my God, look at this level of demand. Like it was never meant to be a profit generating item. It was meant to gauge demand and the demand Mm. was massive. So, they realized that, okay, look, we're trying to lower bar for entry for all this stuff. We want to drive people to the Switch. Hey, we, we, we've talked about this Switch game service thing, Let's uh, and, and we gave some details about how it was going to work, and we've been, you know, Nintendo's get gets weirdly vague with some of their announcements. So they, <laughs> they gave out some more details, and I think maybe their uh, – uh, observations about how the nes classic did informed how they really wanted to flesh out the uh uh, online game service for the switch that instead of it being like oh you get like one or two classic games a month and then they go away and you can't play them anymore it's being yeah it's being described more like a netflix (laughs) where you just yeah you have access to their library and it's way cheaper it's like twenty dollars a year and yeah. economically, that makes sense if you have massive, massive interest, which yeah. the NES Classic proves there is interest. And so yeah. handling that library that day, that way, becomes a system selling feature. And a system selling feature increases yep. the uh, um, size of the ecosystem, your customer base, which then drives yeah. more software sales. Hopefully drawing in some third yep. parties as well because that licensing is where you really make your money. Yep. And they have a lot of games that are, you know, one-to-one type sales opportunities for them, right? Like, you know, uh, how many people bought Breath of the Wild? At one oh, point, yeah. apparently, it was almost as many games as yeah. the system. You, you don't think Mario Kart will be this uh, – well, actually, isn't Mario Kart already – Yeah, it was, it was – yeah, yeah, I think the, it was like the best-selling Mario Kart yeah, game Mario, of all time. I think Mario Kart 8 from the Wii U – has a, uh, a, a a switch port already? Yeah, an upside yeah. upgrade in port. Yeah, and it did yeah. really well. And and yeah. So every, sorry, continue. Every person you manage to convince by adding these these features that uh, you now have proof of the demand for is just another consumer who you know is is in line to Breath get another wild. two or three of the, yeah or any of those must have games that they just you know. Nintendo seems like the only company left that has these like gotta have mm-hmm. games. They don't have a lot. They don't have a huge number of them, but they're they come around seasonally or annually or whatever. And they, uh, you know, it's their system. Their system that they kind of can be system sellers as well. But also, when you've managed to hook someone's interest elsewhere. Uh, now, if you're going to invest the $300 or whatever it is in it, you might as well buy a game where that has universally good consensus and that you probably you, – you're probably the sort of person who would want anyway if you're the person who's picking up a yeah. Nintendo system. You know, it's not like you have to twitch people's arms to get Nintendo – sorry, to get Mario or Zelda games if they're already – if they already own a Nintendo system, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's there's – Generally, very little. Uh, there, there can be a lot of cl- acclaim and very little objection about most of your, yeah. you know, uh, tentpole Nintendo releases. Although, yeah. although there's been some weird controversies about uh, uh, Breath of the Wild too. But apparently, that one does not get hurt by what odd little controversies come up around it. 
Yeah. To each yeah. his own. I mean, <laughs> have you heard any of those uh, those complaints? About breakable stuff and and the repetitive. No, no, no. Stuff I'm talking well. like, like uh, I don't know. Like I, content and and like moral objections. Oh no, not not really. I, I all I was ever hearing about was breakable oh, weapons. Yeah. That was just, <laughs> <laughs> against that noise. I heard pretty much nothing else. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's some some weird stuff because um, uh, you know some, sometimes when you try to touch on on some topics, you can you. Know, Things can get a little sensitive, like uh, Link, uh, apparently, I haven't played the game yet, so I say apparently, uh, Link goes to infiltrate a Gerudo village, and since the, the, the Gerudo villages are, you know, all women, he has to dress in drag, and so you got a bit of a cloud in Final Fantasy VII moment there, and uh, <laughs> s- some other okay. stuff surrounding that has drawn some criticism, but it hasn't been too, um, you know, uh, fervent given how some how sensitive some topics like that can wind up being um but uh the 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 more significant and yet but still you know not too uh uh massive and also kind of weird complaint that i ran into had to do with the um the what is it the 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 prince sidon that that they got the meme about his like his oh. smile and 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 everything, but uh, yeah, there some people have seen images of of Link and Prince Sidon and and had this like moral panic about pederasty or something. It, it's weird, and they they it's, I, I saw someone point out a a strange. Uh, uh, analysis of the name Sidon it's like referencing this biblical city where you know which is a reference to all of this you know uh immoral stuff or whatever there's kind of a stretch in logic and actually someone replied to it saying or it could be a play on Poseidon (laughs) yeah that too huh (laughs) you know underwater creature named after the goddess sure that 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 Occam's razor at its finest right there yeah yeah uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, the more I hear about that stuff, the more I think controversy for clicks. You know, there there are probably plenty of uh, poor selling video games out there that uh, have objectionable material in them, but they don't oh, they don't draw the poor the selling stuff has way worse stuff in it. I'll tell you that right now. Because <laughs> yeah. those are the people who are paying far less attention to what they're doing, or you know, the the stakes are so low that either they yeah. They want to to try to uh, stir the mud, or they are pay, paying less attention to the consequences of certain uh, images or narrative elements that they present, and so that's where yeah. you get your really vile stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so hopefully, kind of going back to the the games service for the Switch is. Uh, Hopefully we'll we'll get some good stuff in this. We we you know Nintendo's not exactly known for having a uh, hell. I mean their 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 communication just isn't that clear a lot of the times. I mean I remember when they uh, announced the Virtual Console for the Wii, and I thought the entire library was going to be available on the outset. Like mm. oh oh this isn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so yeah. that's. Uh, because I got that impression just from what they said as it was. And, and so even with what we know now, it, it may wind up not being what we hope it'll be. Um, hell, it might be something like a $20 service where you pay to rent games or something like that. Because let's bring Black Blockbuster. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that model's worth another go around. Hell, you know, there's actually a building not too far from me that still I think it still has the Blockbuster logo up. It's not a blockbuster anymore. It's closed, but I because I double checked on that one. It's like, oh my god, is there a blockbuster here? Still the skeleton of a blockbuster yeah. building that there's. I think I think there's still like two yeah. or three places that are actual functioning blockbusters, but uh, mm. yeah, that's just you know the remains. Oh, one other thing I wanted to get to before we run out of time here today. Uh, I am a big fan of the the game Artemis. 
I think that it, it, for for those who don't know, Artemis Space Bridge Simulator is a cooperative game where uh, you can have, say, six players per ship, and you can have up to, I think, eight ships. So really, you can have a lot of players in a really big game. And it's a, it's the idea mm. is everyone takes a position on a spaceship bridge. You can be the captain, uh, communication, science, engineering, navigation, or weapons. So it's this big right. cooperative game, right? And a lot of it is, unsurprisingly, inspired by Star Trek. In fact, yeah. in fact, the original <laughs> version of it had a whole bunch of user interface elements that looked like they were the whole like next generation Deep Space Nine kind of panel aesthetic. Um, and hell, you can still get mods for it that'll bring that aesthetic back. It's just some art swaps. But uh, yeah, now there's an actual Star Trek. It looks like a Star Trek version of this, uh, the Star Trek VR game, uh, where you can have four mm. people in the game, except it's it's VR, so you can look around the bridge and talk to each other, and it will like lip sync to you when you're talking into the microphone. It's uh, it's pretty crazy looking, and if you watch, if if you're familiar with Artemis and you watch the uh, 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 videos of of people playing Star Trek VR, it looks like it seriously looks like people took Artemis and just redesigned that. <laughs> Like it maybe not like on a code level, but on a concept level, it's very, very reminiscent. It's a little creepy, but it's um, it's certainly a lot prettier. <laughs> but that shouldn't be surprising because Artemis was yeah. made by like one guy. Yeah, I was gonna say, isn't Artemis like an independent oh, team? Of small <laughs> yeah, team? it's a team yeah. of one. Uh, maybe plus yeah. some extra stuff for music and art assets, but yeah, it's pretty much just one guy. He's been working on it for a long time, and it's got a whole lot more features than it used to have. It's uh, pretty crazy. But, I mean, that's that's also an example of just the um, the uh, um, openings that you can still have even nowadays for an independent developer, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who would have th- – I mean, it's funny. The concept of the game sounds really – I don't. I mean, is obvious too harsh a word? <laughs> How about concept, natural? The concept of why it would appeal. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's right. Natural. The concept of why the game would appeal to people, because let's face it, there's a crossover between video game and space sim type players and Star Trek fans. Anyway, it's it's true. So yeah, now it would be natural that that sort of game would appeal. And it's kind of surprising that it took what twenty. Didn't the game come out in 2013? Uh, somewhere around there. Originally. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems kind of surprising to me that it took that long for somebody to say, "Hey, <laughs> could this work as a cooperative game?" It just it just seems like a like a complete uh no-brainer. Um, you know, we've got co-op games, we've got co-op combat games. This is obviously not a this is not like four players simultaneously sh- shooting guns down hallways. It's a little bit more esoteric than that, but Based on the source material that inspired it, yeah, why did <laughs> why didn't it seem more obvious? But um, I, I mean, God, I, the list of indie games that that have come out that sort of fall into that category of like a gap that no one else ever ever thought of, or no AAA publisher ever took the risk on, or or. I mean, I don't even consider this game to be a risk. <laughs> it just seems like such an obvious, <laughs> natural <laughs> choice that that uh, of course it would be a, a winner, but. Um, but yeah, I, um, I guess that's uh, that's the value of having a, a healthy yeah. indie industry is that you get this this weird and wonderful stuff that um, sometimes inevitably gets copied and <laughs> maybe if we're lucky, even yeah. improved on <laughs> by the big boys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head there because that's that's exactly why you want to have your smaller indie indie developers to either you know invent something completely new or make a new formula or even retread an old formula that that people might not believe still has a market out there for it i mean ftl like completely reinvigorated the roguelike procedurally generated type of game um artemis and there's plenty other examples you can go out there for stuff like this or, or survival horror games you know the your your yeah. uh, um, the long dark or other games like uh, oh I can see the screenshot of the game and I'm not getting it. It's another game that it's like a village managing game um, uh, that was also developed by a single person 
you know, and it's had its own success. And yeah. because, like you said, with, with big big companies, there's going to be a risk involved. Even if they only put forth a small, uh, a relatively small investment, even if it's something like, okay, well, we're EAs and, and we want to do something. We got one engineer who's really interested in this idea, so we will allow him to work on Artemis as an official EA product. Okay, well... Are, are you really just going to remove one of your engineers to work on that? Are you going to release Artemis if it's in the state that Artemis <laughs> is right now? You know, I mean, that, that doesn't have the EA level of polish on it. Or are you going to wind up turning around and making it a big thing? Well, you're not going to make it a big thing until you have some commercial proof that it's going to work. Or are you going to spend the time to develop a, a, a spinoff label that you can release these kinds of games under. Okay, well, now you're going to have to get all sorts of, uh, 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 like, trademarking and lawyers and stuff involved with that. You know, there is a reason that big the big boys don't do some of that stuff. And, you know, mm. maybe that, that reasoning is complete or maybe it's, you know, it, it doesn't exactly... Maybe they should still do it. But you can't just yeah. look at it and say, well, obviously they should do it this way. No, there, there's, there's counterpoints to that. But that really all feeds back to why you do want to have your smaller independent developers. Oh, yeah. boy. But, uh, yeah, and that, that, that actually hits on a, a, another topic because Steam – because Artemis is available on Steam too. And it's, 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 it is, uh, yeah. That's one of the funny things about Artemis. If you buy it directly from the guy, it's more expensive – but it's you can give it to a whole bunch of other people. There's actually like no DRM on it. Please don't steal it from anybody, though. Please, because this guy definitely deserves the money. Like you can't. He, he yeah. openly admits there's no DRM in the game. Like when you buy it, it says you have a bridge license that you can put onto six computers, and just that phrase makes people think that it is impossible to install it on more than six computers. And people ask him about it on the forums and stuff, or, or like it's in a frequently asked questions. It's like, so if if I need to remove it from one machine and put it on another, will that work? It's like, yeah, there's there's no DRM on it. I'm just asking you to not share it with the world, <laughs> which is damn near his, uh, his uh, exact words there. It's a... <clears throat> Man. It's not, a, not every day you hear no. that. In fact, honestly, I, I hope the people behind Star Trek VR, like, contacted him and maybe brought him in as a consultant. <laughs> that would be, uh... That would be justice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, speaking of Steam, the whole uh, Steam Direct initiative, they have settled on their fee for developers. They went with the minimum mm -hmm. in the range that they were looking at of a $100 fee. Yep. Which yep. will be uh, reimbursed if they hit one thousand dollars in sales, and this, I have no idea what to make of it because, mm. I mean, I still think there's there's some developers saying like, oh, if you're, you know, at this level, you're you're it's it's going to drive you out. It's like, really, a hundred bucks is not going to drive anyone out. You have. You have to have a computer to make a game, right? A hundred dollars shouldn't. It, it's yeah. it's a, yeah. a minimal uh, entry. The I still don't know what that what a reasonable. I mean, it, I guess the magic the magic number you want to hit is to stop the asset mm -hmm. flippers, right? Is and that, that and that's the other complaint the level is at which that they they, would... uh, some some developers don't think it will. You're, you're still going to have problems there. Yeah. Except for that, uh, yeah. they 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 have also announced some changes to the card system, which uh, doesn't look like we'll have time to go into today. But like I said, it's been a busy couple of weeks here. I picked a great yeah, time to get yeah. sick and miss a week. <laughs> yeah, I, but how how do you decide what's like what's that point at which the natural grifters that are just trying to game it are gonna say, okay, this game's development thing isn't gonna pan out anymore. I'm going to go do three card, card Monty and sell <laughs> fake Rolexes on the sidewalk. Like this game's bit biz just too hard for me now. How, what's that dollar value? But what also like at what points do you start punishing the one man yeah. teams? You know, um, if it's a grand, that could be a lot. I mean, yeah, okay, that's more than enough to buy a computer, but that could be a pretty big investment for somebody who's just basically taken a fire on. Oh, let's see, I'm put this Your out there. Developer, I think I've yeah. Um, that that might 
make me think twice. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's I guess I guess there's no right answer. May, may, maybe they'll reserve the right to tweak. Oh, that I'm amount sure they do. Too, but but uh, I mean, geez, they, they the right to tweak <laughs> anything, really. But they uh, apparently they were thinking about having it be five hundred dollars, but they got a whole lot of feedback from the community. And you know they had argument. They they had arguments. They uh, at least so they say. Good arguments for the five thousand dollar level, which sure at that point I can understand that might squeeze out garage developers. Um, yeah. But I, I, at the same time, I still kind of suspect that maybe if you're not going to get five thousand dollars in sales, maybe you shouldn't. What about what about the a graduated system, a system whereby once you. Or does that, or does that just bring in more Valve hands-on requirements? Like, if you, if you have a system where, if you have one game that meets a certain minimum criteria, then from then on, your second and third and fourth games. But then again, once again, the garage developer might not be the sort of guy that's really looking at the horizon in his second and third, fourth game. So maybe that. Maybe that isn't much of. Maybe that's only a benefit to the the medium sizer, like the you know the five man team type companies. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not like you can means yeah. test it, right? Pro- like prove how many people are working <laughs> on this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I I think I think they're trying to not. My suspicion is they're trying to not overcorrect, and considering they're doing several things at yeah. once. Uh, that can be that that will take a soft yeah. touch, you know, revamping or removing yeah. cards. Um, yeah. That's going to have an effect. Uh, uh, trying yeah. to rework the um, the algorithm for game finding that can have an effect. Uh-huh. Uh, trying to change yeah. the uh, input, you know, from from green light to direct that can have an effect. And so, if you're going to do all of this yeah. stuff at the same time, probably best not to shoot too hard on the entry fee yeah, and hope that the other things have an yeah. effect. And if they don't have a good enough effect, maybe increase the entry fee. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, for, for, as a, as a consumer speaking as a consumer, the thing that I want them to get right more than anything else is the mm-hmm. algorithm. Well, hell because if you had the algorithm, I, if, if it worked exactly how everyone wants it to work, everything else is moot. Yeah. Because then the game, then the system starts to learn what I like and throw the 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 you know the complete t-ball sitters at me and say okay you've liked these games our statistics and what we know about you says you're probably going to like this one and then I don't have to hunt through 30 pages <laughs> of of one dollar add-ons for Tractor Simulator in order to try and find the other you know mm-hmm. gems hidden there because I there's just no way that any person can with or without the algorithm with or without cur- curators. Uh, can it's I don't know about you, but I, I, you're probably not as heavy a Steam user as I am. But the amount of times that I stumble across a game that's four and five years old, or even two and three that I've never heard of, that is right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> and how was I ever going to find it? You know, amongst all this chafe. <laughs> and it's and is this hundred dollar cap gonna reduce the chafe? God willing, it will, but it's still an awful lot to yeah, wade through, isn't it? I, I, <laughs> you know? I, I think that I am probably the nightmare user for trying to get the algorithm right. Because <laughs> you buy uh, so one, I don't buy a lot. So so little I don't data. buy a lot. I don't <laughs> search a lot. I don't rate anything. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. I actually just through completely external means from the Steam system. I find out about games that I am interested in, and then I go directly to them on the Steam store. So, like, the algorithm barely affects me. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah but I, I recognize for anybody that discoverability is the problem. And that's the same. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's going to be a continuing problem with the whole digital distribution and not having a physical storefront. If you have a physical store... And you have a shelf, you have a limited amount of space on the shelf, which means yeah. you can just look from beginning to end and see everything there. Yeah. Actually, don't forget the other two big problems, which is the, the money to buy the games and the time <laughs> well, to play them. Yeah, I but, mean, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a discussion yeah, yeah, for that's, another that's, time. That's the problem on the consumer <laughs> side, not on the developer side. The developer <laughs> needs discovery almost above all else. That is the main thing that they really need out of a storefront. 
And that's why featuring is such a big yeah. deal. Like you, you, yeah. you might have. Well, look, a, I mean, that's what took Rocket League to the stratosphere was discoverability when it got featured on uh, yeah. uh, uh, the the free game on uh, uh, PSN. I think it was that just like really yeah. just put the rockets to it, so to speak. And I oh no I'm recognition for, for that I pun. Hope they get the... <laughs> rocketed to the yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm hoping they get this right, like. Any, anything's better than the status quo on this. The status quo is never an option. They couldn't stick with this, and the green light stuff had to change, obviously. I, I hope they get it right. I'm glad to see that they're talking about it. I'm glad to see that the analytics are, or, or stats are out there so that you know we we can – interested parties can look at it and see, oh, okay, this is having an, an effect. Um, I, I hope they do get it right because you know, I'm, I'm happy to spend – money on on steam but i'm not happy to spend my life you know clicking endlessly through their cumbersome storefront <laughs> and uh i i feel for the developers that have these great games some of them in a very pro, you know very sweet price point that aren't getting you know aren't people aren't able to find them amongst the muck and uh any anything to improve that situation is is a good is a good thing i i, I hope they continue to Fiddle with the knobs yeah. and get it right. Okay, that was a whole lot of news for us to go through. <laughs> that was one, two that, weeks, that three was, weeks? I, I missed one week from illness. I probably should have missed <laughs> five, but yeah. or five total, because I sounded terrible last time. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so some, uh, no guests, so our uh, our war story is going to come from, from just me this time. And, uh, um... I hope I haven't told this one before, but uh, it, it it just stuck in my head as a pretty powerful image. Uh, ha- Jeff, have you ever heard of an Airzuka? Can't say I have. They are kind of uh, toy blaster things. They they almost look like a small uh, office garbage can. But what they do, oh, what okay. they do is they it, it's it's. Uh, a portion of something that looks like a cone where one, one, it, it doesn't narrow very much, but at one end it has an opening that's somewhere around a third of the diameter of, of the base. And the other end mm-hmm. has a, like a plastic diaphragm with uh, uh, an elastic cord on it. So what you do is you hold it and you pull the cord back and then let go and it snaps the diaphragm forward and it fires a vortex of air. Uh, right. uh, and these things are really neat toys. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> and if you hit someone with it, who's never heard of it, it it's, uh, amusing the reaction that they have. <laughs> Cause it's nothing it, solid. You, you just it's get just, this, you that? just get this hard push of <laughs> air. And usually yeah. that sensation will get, uh, um, if you feel something like that means you've been struck. But nothing struck you. Well, I mean, a, a vortex of air hit you, but, I mean, it's not going to damage anything. I mean, the most that could damage is maybe it could knock something over. Maybe. I mean, that's why they have a they have a joke about someone who, who isn't looking good, and you say you're getting knocked over by a stiff breeze. You know, I mean, that's about how hard this thing can hit anything. <laughs> I mean, the most visible stuff you do is it moves papers around, or, like, if you have uh, uh, horizontal blinds, it'll, like, shake them around and you can see exactly where it hit. Um, yeah. I mean, un- unless you get hit by a whole bunch of them at once. Uh, when I first got one, uh, it was in a QA department. Someone had one. It's like, oh man, these things are really cool. And a bunch of us got an order where there was like six or seven or eight or, you know, I th- less than a dozen, but a bunch of us got them and we got a shipment into the office. And I, I was standing there <laughs> saying something, and like all of a sudden, like everybody started shooting me with the airzukas. <laughs> and it's it's really disorienting. Um, <laughs> if, for example, you were to get hit constantly right in the face with these things, you might have some trouble breathing. In the same way, you probably have trouble breathing if you stuck your head out the window of a car going down the freeway. Yeah. Um, but but the meat of this story 
isn't me getting uh, barraged by gusts of air. It's um, at another place because I kept the thing with me because it's fun to play with. Yeah. And um, there was a, a, an engineer who I didn't uh, when I brought it in. I didn't. I don't think anyone explained to her what it was or anything like that. She didn't know it was there. She didn't know it was coming. Uh, uh, and when she wasn't looking, I hit her in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not exactly a nice thing to do, I'll admit. But the reaction was a little priceless. Because she turned around and had this, like, stunned and amazed look on her face. <laughs> Which almost looked like uh, amusement, but I am reasonably sure was nowhere approaching amusement because the look on her face was so striking, I actually, like, <laughs> like started laughing and, and turning, just kind of doubling over. And the next thing I know, there's this huge bang right behind me where my head had been. Because she, in, in that split second, had taken off her shoe and thrown it at me. <laughs> and it hit this, like, cubicle wall window thing and left a mark on the window. <laughs> so, it's <laughs> probably not the, I say probably, it's certainly not the nicest thing I've ever done. And I, I won't say I didn't deserve a... A comeback for it, but just the way that whole thing went uh, was quite memorable. This was uh, many years ago. I'd like to think I'm a better person than that now. <laughs> yeah, that that was yeah, that was well over a decade ago now. <laughs> the air bazooka is long forgotten. Oh, I still have the air bazooka. It's just that. Oh yeah, oh, do you? I just that. Um, Doing that to someone, I, don't, I haven't done that to anybody. <laughs> so, ah, okay then. That's uh, I think that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, we're actually gone later in the day than we usually do. So, thanks for that, Jeff. <laughs> no problem. Ah, uh, so <clears throat> if I survive till next time, <laughs> no, I should be okay. I'm on the mend. I'm on the mend. Rest up. <laughs> um, the uh. uh if there's anybody out there who wants to uh, see me write about anything in particular in the Behind the Line article series or hear us talk about anything here on Behind the Line Radio, you can always get in touch with me at kinetic at enthusiacs.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiacs.com. Or you can always follow me on Twitter at Kinetic Nose. Or, hey, if anyone out there plays Tekken, you can find me on PSN as Kinetic and you can set up some matches and hopefully uh, get around that uh, um, match making server problem i'm hoping direct matches aren't subject to the mm. problem because you know matches seem to work just fine they, they sure hopefully yeah they one would be. hope so if uh, anyone out there is having trouble with uh with tekken and wants to to try out the try out my king ah then uh you can hit me up there and we'll see what we can do and yeah i'm probably going to be streaming plenty of tekken especially once uh once that matchmaking problem gets sorted out and uh, you can you'll, mm. you'll you'll be seeing me streaming tech and plenty on the enthusiast twitch channel so plenty of stuff going on that cool. even even have a couple other projects that are wrapping up uh it's been a long time coming but uh goose and i our our killer seven project is uh much closer to completion than ever before <laughs> It's been a, it's been a long time coming, but we never actually stopped working on it. Tough to believe, especially when you see what we've actually finished with. You're going to say like, you guys didn't do this in just a day. It doesn't, you know. But, uh, and 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 possibly even another secret project that I'm working on. But uh, I'm I'm facing a couple of similar technical problems on on the same front there as the Killer Seven project. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have a uh, another video out for that and. Uh, yeah, so plenty of iron in a fire, or however that phrase goes. You know how that phrase goes? Ah, Too many irons like in the fire. Yeah. And this outro is probably three times longer than any outro I've ever done. So just once again, thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Thanks you for joining me. Thank, thanks you. Yes. 
I am good at words. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Thank and you. We'll see y'all next time, everybody. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter, at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs. Enthusiacs.